What happened with the school visit was that this group of, of young people were taken by teachers and by Kaimata to these, to these sites. And they were told the stories by um, the descendants of those who had died in, in those sites. So for a lot of young people, they don't know anything about it. Or they might have heard little bits here and there. But what happened on that day when they went to those sites where there had been this intense violence, these, these terrible, terrible, um, almost unimaginable acts of, of violence and bloodshed and terror and fear and, and invasion that were told by the descendants of those who had been there. Um, suddenly those young people saw themselves as part of that story. In 2015, a small group of students from Otorohanga College presented a petition with 13,000 signatures calling for national commemorations of the New Zealand land wars. After a groundswell of support from Māori leaders and the Orako Heritage Society, the then government supported the move and launched a national fund where community groups, iwi and hapu, could apply for and run their own commemorative events. The National Day of October the 28th coincides with the signing of the Declaration of Independence of New Zealand. Sociologist Dr Joanna Kidman is Associate Professor at Kura Māori at Victoria University in Wellington. She works in the field of Indigenous Youth Sociology. As part of this series, Te Pūtake o Te Riri, here she talks about how a school visit to Orako was the catalyst in bringing national attention to the history of the New Zealand land wars. Tana kaupapa ko te pūtake o te kaupapa. Her research centres on the politics of indigeneity and settler colonial nationhood. Over the past 20 years, uh, she has worked with Māori research partners and community-based tribal groups in different parts of New Zealand. She has also partnered with indigenous communities in Taiwan, which is quite good for here, because the, the karewa here, Ching Tutu, he always said he was from Taiwan Nui, <laughs> Taiwan Roa, Taiwan Pabama. And of course in the USA to establish indigenous knowledge systems in schools with large numbers of native students. Um, so what I want to talk about today, so, so this, this symposium has, has been about how have the wars um, been commemorated in the past and how should we remember them today. And I'm a sociologist who works with Taiohi Māori and so that's, that's been my, my passionate um, commitment to hear the voices of our young people over the past 20 years and um, to hear the stories that they're telling us about what it's like to grow up Māori in this, in this nation. So what my focus is for today is, is Taiohi Māori and also other young people and how they want to remember 
um, the wars. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about some research that I did with co-author um, Vincent O'Malley um, about the young people who um, led the petition, um, there's the young people from Otorahanga College, um, who led the 2015 petition um, that was taken to Parliament that has, has led to the, the day of, of commemoration. Probably we all know the story or we've heard about the story about um, the, uh, the students who took the petition to um, Parliament for the commemoration of, of the wars in 2015. I think it's probably worth just talking about it a little bit today. I mean, you know the story, but I, it's, it's important to set the scene. And so one of the things that, that you know, led to all of this was a school visit. Now, you know, when I remember my school visits when I was, you know, that high, um, they tended to be really boring... Um, <laughs> long, tedious things to places that I really didn't want to go to. I want to talk about a school visit today that these, um, these young people did um, from Otorahanga College. So these were young people in a small um, Waikato secondary school. Um, they went on a school visit um, as, as with a fairly large group of their peers, there were about 186 students, um, between the ages of 15 and 18, and they did a school visit to Oraco and Rangiafia. Now, there are a number of school visits that go through those sites each year, and what we what we've heard anecdotally is that you know some of those school visits they go through, teachers turn up with kids in buses, the kids get out, they take snapshots, they get or selfies, they get back in the bus and off they go. This was a really different kind of school visit because these young people from um, Otorahanga College, a lot of them had strong connections to that area. It's a school with a very high um, enrolment of Māori young people and it's also a community which is in the heart of the Kingitanga. So that sort of suggests that this was going to be a different kind of school visit. This wasn't going to be a group of young people turning up and taking selfies at Wahitapu and, and leaving. What happened with the school visit was that this group of, of young people were taken by teachers and by kaumatua to these, to these sites. And they were told the stories by um, the descendants of those who had died in, in those sites. And this was an incredibly powerful experience. It was actually for these young people, for these particular young people, it was a life-changing experience for, for many of them. Now, the thing in the New Zealand school curriculum, as I'm sure many of you know, it's what some people would describe as a high-autonomy curriculum. Teachers get to choose what they're going to teach in schools. And so the Ministry of Education, you know, since this petition has been going on, has been very opposed to you know, making it compulsory to teach the wars in schools because we've got this like high autonomy curriculum and the, the deal is that teachers get to choose what they teach. So the ministry view has been that you know, teachers, you know, we, want, we want them to make those choices. The reality is that a lot of teachers don't choose to teach 
the wars in schools. So for a lot of young people, they don't know anything about it. Or they might have heard little bits here and there. But what happened on that day when they went to those sites where there had been this intense violence, these, these terrible, terrible, um, almost unimaginable acts of, of violence and bloodshed and terror and fear and, and invasion that were told by the descendants of those who had been there. Um, suddenly those young people saw themselves as part of that story. And it was a profoundly life-changing experience for them. For a lot of rural young people, the media, it focuses on the flash stuff that's happening in Auckland or Wellington or other main centres. Often rural young people kind of don't see themselves in the media or in other environments. What they saw that day in, in those school visits that they were um, part of was that actually history was made in their own backyard, and they were horrified. They were horrified and shocked as, as you know, we've heard that about why didn't we know this stuff. But they also um, were profoundly disturbed by the silences that surround the wars. And so this is what I want to talk about today. It's about how young people want to remember those wars because what we're seeing in the research that we're doing and, and what's been talked about today is that there is a movement and it is coming from young people to talk about what, is, what has gone on um, before. So these visits had a really profound um, impact. It left um, the, the young people wanting to know more. Um, but also, they, they weren't satisfied about the silences that surrounded these histories. And they decided that they needed to do something to break those silences. And so the idea came to them, let's do a petition. And it came from those young people. So um, these are um, the, the three... Um, the, it, was, it was a collective effort, but there were, there were three young women in particular, Rhiannon, Ty and Leabelle, um, who were involved in putting um, this petition together. The aims of the petition, as you know, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, was to raise awareness about the wars... Um, as they relate to local um, histories for schools and communities. The, they wanted to see that the wars would be introduced into the New Zealand school curriculum, something that the Ministry of Education absolutely refused uh, to entertain as an idea. And they wanted to see a national day of commemoration uh, brought in for the wars. So those were the aims of, of the petition. And the, the school visit had had such a profound effect. It became a real rallying call for young people who were in that area at that time. And so they, they gathered um, together and began to... You know, they had huge support um, from uh, Tainui, uh, from within the Kingitanga. They were working really closely with local communities. So 
this group of young people, they, they began with this idea, they started talking to their friends, they started talking to their neighbours, they, they were talking to hapu and iwi in the area, and word of the petition began to spread. And it really, really started to take off. These young people made very, very canny. You say they had kanohi interactions with people, but they also made really amazing use of social media. And as they, the petition came together, so there was this huge momentum. There was this huge buzz that, that formed around the petition. And these young people were very canny in getting idea, their ideas, getting these debates out and around about the, the place. On the day that they delivered this petition to, to Wellington, this was on the 8th of December 2015, there was a massive crowd. There were hundreds, probably thousands of people who accompanied these um, young women to um, the steps of, of Parliament. And they were accompanied by just this huge um, group of, of supporters who came with them. Once the petition was delivered, then it went to the Māori Affairs Committee for submissions, written oral submissions, uh, from the public to be heard. So um, here, are, here are Waimarama Anderson and Leo Bell with their um, supporter... Um, Matua Rahui, Papa, was there. They gave oral submissions. Um, but there were also a whole lot of written submissions that were um, given both in support and in opposition to the petition. And I just want to spend a little bit of time talking about um, the debates that, that we saw as we analysed the... the um, the written submissions, because there were some really interesting tensions and anxieties that we saw emerging in those who supported the petition and those who actually opposed it. Now, there are 189 written submissions on, on the petition. The petition itself had over 12,000 signatures, so there were, weren't that many written submissions in, in support. There were 49 of the 189 um, written submissions that were in support. There was actually a much larger number, 138, who really, really strongly opposed the petition. And I want to talk a little bit about um, what was what those groups had to say. There are also two written submissions um, about the petition that we saw that we couldn't work out if they were pro or against. They were just kind of off the planet, so we just put those down as unknown. So what I'm going to show you is some extracts that we saw from the um, written submissions. And this young woman in the middle, Leah Bell, um, the, this is, comes from her written submission. She says, now it, is now it is up to us rangatahi to educate ourselves. We believe this begins with a day of remembrance each year. Maybe teachers, families, TV and radio programs will start to discuss the idea. The tragedy 150 years ago will always be with us, but what we are doing now is a starting point for a historically conscious future, and that is what these young people were saying. We know that there was bad stuff that happened. We know that there are people who are going to disagree with what we're saying. We need to look at this face-on and, and deal with it. So if we're going to have 
you know, a future. What these young people were saying very, very loud and clear is we have to own the past. Another of um, the Aitarahanga um, college students, who a, a young man called Henry, who wrote in support of the, the um, petition, he says, this is what he wrote, he says, Speaking as a rangatahi youth, it is of the utmost importance that this nation's youth and communities are conversant of the countless stories that these land wars hold. Most small rural townships right throughout New Zealand have played a role in the New Zealand land wars in one way or another. It is sad to say that community members themselves have little to no knowledge regarding what has occurred right on their own doorstep. New Zealanders drive past national sites of history daily without knowledge and appreciation of what happened on those historical sites. Now, this was another theme that came through really strongly from the young people who wrote in support of, of the submission, that, that history isn't something that happens elsewhere. History is something that happens where we live. And these are our stories. We need to know what these stories are. The lack of knowledge is actually hurting us. So that came through very strongly. Um, there was also um, there were other others who wrote in support of the petition, who talked about the silences around the wards, and how the silences hurt and fester. And there's one which I I find um, particularly poignant uh, from uh, an older retired um, school teacher, Elizabeth Barrett. Um, She had grown up in and around Ōrāko and had wanted to talk about the silences around what happened there as as a Māori girl growing up. And this is what she said, and it's very powerful, I think. She says, um, this is a retired school teacher, as a young girl growing up in and around Ōrāko, my cousins and I were oblivious to the importance of Ōrāko. Our parents did not speak of Ōrāko to us. Looking back, it would seem that they still keenly felt the hurt of the loss of our tūpuna during the land wars decades earlier. Understandably, they sought to shelter us from that pain and did not want that hurt to be revisited on the next generation. Although a noble sentiment, she says, it did create an issue for us, and as children we were left in a quandary. The knowledge of Orako was becoming lost to us. For this, um, for this person, for this woman, as she was writing in support of the petition, she was saying that the silences aren't just with Pākehā New Zealand, that often they're within Māori communities as well because in many cases um, there was a real desire to try and shield children from the hurt, from the ongoing hurt and grief and terror of, of what had happened. So that was um, these were sort of the, the kinds of themes that came through for those who supported um, the petition. I'm going to give just a little bit of time to talking to those who opposed the petition. Um, the reason I, you know, I, I 
often hesitate um, to give airtime to these kinds of opinions, but these are the opinions that exist in New Zealand society. They constrain me as, as a Māori woman and my working day and my living day. So you know, I think we need to look at them and understand them. So we did, have, we did find a number of those and those who opposed the petition. What we found, one of the really, really strong threads um, that we found, some of, one of the really big anxieties that the anti-crew um, had was that they were really fearful that New Zealand history was being rewritten, that by talking about this stuff, we were rewriting history. And there was this, this real kind of anxiety that there was a, a kind of ideological agenda that was going to work against white people. Um, and, and there was a, a fear that, that you know, separatists were behind the petition um, and that that was going to be really divisive. So um, we have... This, this was a really... This came through really strongly as a, as a theme. So this person says, New Zealand's history is increasingly losing touch with the facts and qualified historians, and is increasingly based on activists' opinions. This is very evident in the emotional language and creative stories now being used in the retelling of the land wars history. Separists seem to be using such stories to drive racial wedges between citizens and support more claims for race-related government handouts. It is not in New Zealand's interest to give separatists any more airtime as a nation, we need to stop supporting these constant and creative efforts to stir up trouble. Our country has done so much that is right. We need to start praising that. New Zealand needs to look to the future and commit to uniting and celebrating um, our country and all its citizens. So this was another very strong um, thread that, was, that, that came through um, the anti-petition um, uh, group that that there was a, a whole lot of re- that in talking about it we were revising it and we were telling a, a story that would suit um, our own ends and that that would be uh, detrimental to Pakia. There was also a really really strong um, uh, that was probably the, the the strongest theme that came through. There was another theme that came through which was the law and order argument which um, went that something along the lines of when the treaty was signed, Māori ceded sovereignty, um, there were these rebellious tribes that got a bit uppity, and what the Crown did was to come in and restore order. So he says, a land wars day in New Zealand would be a misnomer and inappropriate. A more apt name would be Tribal Rebellions Day, signifying how those tribes fighting the Crown were in rebellion, refusing to recognise the Crown's sovereignty as ceded by the chiefs under the Treaty of Waitangi. It would be both inappropriate and a travesty to memorialise those in rebellion against the Crown as recognised under the the treaty. This was another theme that that we saw coming through. Um, The other sort of theme that we saw, which um, this is the last one that I'll show you, was that young people are simply not able to make up their own minds about this, that they had to be manipulated by powerful interests who, who were using them to serve their own purposes. So we had someone saying, when all these lies stop, this petition is a great example of the indoctrination of our children. Um, our children go through in school, and now they have all perceived white settler guilt. This... this um, 
must stop, no day off for lies. So, as we know, um, the petition was largely successful. The Ministry of Education is not going to change its mind any time soon on bringing in teaching about the wars into the New Zealand curriculum. It will remain the choice of teachers. However, what was successful in was that um, there will be a national day. So I just want to close um, with one thing that has come through in this project that we've been doing, but also several other um, studies that I've been doing with Māori young people um, over the years has been that, ha- that young people are extremely good at saying we want to break these silences. You know, they get it. The other thing that we have noticed and I, that I have noticed in the work that I've been doing with young people is that Māori young people tend to be more historically literate than Pākehā young people. And the reason for that is, I mean, today we've got young people here in the room with us. When Māori meet, we tend to have our children around with us. They tend to be at hui, they tend to be at wānanga, they tend, they're around, they're there, they're present. With Pākehā activism, this is a huge generalisation, but often children are less present, so have less exposure to the ideas and the debates that are, that are going on. So this is one thing that we've, we've witnessed in, in this, this project, but other studies that we've been doing. That awareness tends to be localised around young people who are with whānau who are connected into... Um, iwi politics or iwi, iwi matters, happy matters. For those young people who I'm working with, I'm working with groups in um, Wellington City at the moment, um, homeless young Māori who are, you know, the direct dispossessed of these histories, they're not aware of this stuff. So in, in closing, what I really um, am hearing from the young people who um, I've been speaking to and who are involved with this petition is that there is a really strong desire amongst young people to take off that, bli- that white blindfold that tells us that colonisation was benign, that the intentions were good, that the bad stuff that was happened was that was kind of unintended consequences of good people trying to do good things. What I think um, young people are pointing the way for us um, now is that you know, they, they want to take off that white blindfold. Um, they're pointing the way to a new way of thinking about the past that looks really closely at both sides without flinching. And I think we have to hear those voices. Kia ora. The first major events to commemorate the New Zealand land wars wrapped up in Te Tokiro on the 11th of March, but students are now calling for a public holiday. Kia ora, Dr Joanna Kidman, sociologist and associate professor, Kura Māori at Victoria University, Wellington. That was recorded as part of a symposium hosted by Te Whare Wānanga o Awanuiārangi in Whakatāne.
Pa, tu pa, tu pa, tu pa. 